just so awesome. I love our worship. Let's give them a big appreciation, eh? Come on, just so good. Amen. Especially welcome to those online, those who are watching in other nations and those who are watching in other rooms around the building. And uh, we want you to feel very much a part of what's happening here. And uh, God wants to touch your life very, very powerfully. Amen. Okay. I want to uh, share a message because I don't know where to start at the beginning of the year. I thought I'd have to use the, do the accordion again this week, but uh, apparently I've got a message anyway, and I'd much rather preach a message. <laughs> well, welcome to 2022. How about that? Welcome to 20, another year of opportunities, another year of challenges, uh, another uh, season uh, of your life. And uh, as you get older, of course, you value every year because they go by much quicker. So what about 2021? How many are glad to see it finish? <laughs> well, yeah, it's been full of challenges and changes. And uh, I don't think any one of us would have expected the things we saw last year. There were many, many changes. It's been, we've seen things happen in our nation we've never seen before. We've seen confusion and division. We've seen turmoil in the nation. You, you look at some of the things that became new to us in the last year, COVID masks, lockdowns, traffic lights. And I thought traffic lights was something on the road, but no, no, it's something else now. Uh, vaccinations, vaccination passes, segregation. We've never seen that in our, in our nation before. And, uh, but then, and behind the scene in families, there's, there's suicides, there's, there's trauma going on, family violence. There's supply shortages. There's many, many things that are very, very negative. And when people are faced with a lot of negatives, it causes confusion and we need to set our focus very clear. Otherwise, we get caught up in it all. If you have a look or watch too much media, you'll find it's just saturated with negatives. It's saturated with a narrative. And it's not God's narrative, it's a different narrative. It's a narrative that builds fear. And when there's fear in your life, there's not going to be faith that brings the supernatural of God into your life and into your sphere of influence. And so we want to encourage you to position yourself this year to start the year strongly. Amen. Start your year strongly. Don't start on holiday. Start it strongly. Nothing that happened last year was a surprise to God. When you've got the bigger picture and can see it all, then you're not surprised by anything that's come. What God is looking for is people that are tuned to his voice to hear him and be a part of the answer, bringing hope into the nation. That's what we're called to. See, Jesus in his, uh, one of his last great messages in Matthew chapter 24 and verse uh, 6, he said, talking about the end times, he said, you'll hear of wars nearby and revolutions on every side and more rumors of war uh, to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears. That's the... Uh, tra the uh, the TPT, the, the, what do you call it? The, yeah, translation. I don't watch it too much, but it's a good translation. He says, nations will go to war against one another, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes, seismic events of epic proportion, epidemics and famines in diverse places. And he said, notice what he says, don't panic or give in to your fear. This is just the birthing of a new thing that God will do in the earth. So Christians of all people should not be living in a reaction mode, not be living in a fear mode, but be living with a focus on Jesus Christ, a focus on what he's about to do and listening so we can be part of the solution. How about that? See, think about that. Jesus' message is don't fear. All three, so don't be afraid. You see these things, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't keep feeding on the media. Fear infects us and robs faith. Don't be a fear person. Be a faith person. God, faith pleases God. Fear is the enemy of your faith. So think about that. Are you walking in faith? Faith makes you, it says, by faith they become valiant in the midst of the conflicts. So when people have got faith in their heart and everyone around them is fearful, they rise up and become valiant. God is looking for people who become valiant this year and particularly young people who become valiant this year. Amen? So faith is the response when we hear God and we act on what he's saying rather than what other people are saying. Think about that. God is still an unchanging source of hope. When you look at media, they don't paint hope. They don't give hope. But God is always the God of hope. In Romans chapter 15, he's called the God of all hope. Hope means I can look forward to the future with a great expectation there's good things coming. 
So as we come into this year, you're going to need to start it strongly in hope, in hope that God is full of hope. God is unchanging. God wants to impart hope to you. So instead of being negative about this year, you're looking forward with hope and celebrating. Amen. In, in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he says, I know the thoughts I think towards you and the thoughts of good, not evil, thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. So when you want what God thinking, he's thinking thoughts of good, thoughts of peace, thoughts that will give you hope for your future. Now, when Jeremiah wrote that, the nation was in an abysmal state. The nation of Israel had been overthrown. They'd been taken captive by their enemies. They're now living in the city of Babylon. All their freedoms had been taken away. They were living in slavery and they were puzzled that God hadn't helped them. They were puzzled God had let all this happen. They were puzzled to see the the temple robbed and destroyed and desecrated. Their whole foundation for their life had been shattered and they wondered where is God in all of this? And in the midst of it, one man, one man, a prophet, heard the voice of God. This is a time for hearing the voice of God. This is a time for discovering what God is saying in this hour. He says, I know the thoughts I have. They're not negative thoughts. They're not thoughts about all of these things you're thinking. They're thoughts that will give you peace and will give you hope. It doesn't mean the circumstances won't be challenging, but in the midst of it, God wants you to have peace in your heart and wants you to look for a future that's got things that are positive and good happening in it. He said, I, I, he said give you a future and a hope. So the biggest struggle they had is where is God in all of this? What is God doing? And in the midst of our year, this coming year, we need to know what God is doing. We need to be connected to God and hearing what he's doing. We need to be cooperating with God and what he's doing. And I believe he's gonna put a call on young people, a call on every believer to step up and become a living witness for the reality of God. Every believer. I think when I look around, you look and you see the churches are are pushed into a situation where they can't have large gatherings or whatever. I think all that means is that God is saying, hey, it's not just all about the large gatherings. He's wanting individuals to stand up, to build homes of prayer, homes of praise, homes of hospitality, homes of hope, homes where people are gathered in and given ministry and help. For too long, we thought you got to bring them into a meeting to get help when God wants you to be the source of help. He wants you to be his voice. He wants you to be an answer and a living witness to him. Amen. That's exactly what's happened. So if we're going to start off strongly, you need to get revved up in God again. You need a fresh encounter with the Holy Ghost. We need a fresh, how many need a fresh encounter with the Spirit of God? Every one of us needs that. Our nation needs that. The youth of our nation needs that. We all need that. I've been looking around and watching and reading through some of the things that are happening and you have a look at the assault on this generation. It's almost unprecedented in history of the the challenges that a young generation face, the pressures they're under related to vaccines, related to uh, the, the, the gender issues, related to morality, related to uncertainty, so many different things. You look at the struggles that are going on in homes without fathers, homes without kingdom structure, and the, and the terrible pain and, uh, of abuse. I come across it when I counsel people. And years later, they're still living in the pain and the brokenness of it. God sees that. He wants you to become part of his answer to it. He wants you to carry his life to people that are broken. So I'm gonna just share just some, about three or four simple points just of how to start this year strong. And uh, I was starting to look again in the book of Nehemiah. When I first came here into uh, Hastings, one of the things that I began to do was read the book of Nehemiah. And uh, the book of Nehemiah is a story of restoration. So when God said to Jeremiah, a prophet, and he says, I know the thoughts I have to you, thoughts of peace to give you a hope and a future. He's sinking down the line of a man called Daniel who'd be strong in prayer and bring heaven to earth and bring a fulfillment of a promise. And he's thinking here of Nehemiah, one of a group of people that would go and do a rebuilding work. God is always wanting to rebuild lives. He's always wanting to rebuild lives. So how are we gonna start strongly this year? I'm gonna just take a few principles out of the book of Nehemiah. 
I'd love to do a, do a, a teaching series on it. I may do a recording on that, but I'm just gonna take a few principles out of it. So when you look at the story, look at the natural and see what's happening and then look for its relevance for us today. So you're looking for key words in it and key principles in it. And when you do, you'll start to see how it applies to us today in the book of Nehemiah. Let's just start off in Nehemiah chapter one and uh, verse two, three, and four. Hen and I, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning Jews who had escaped, who'd survived the captivity. And I asked them about Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burnt with fire. And when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for many days and I was praying and fasting before the God of heaven. Now God is preparing someone to reveal his heart. And so that man's name is Nehemiah. The name Nehemiah means the comfort of God or God comforts. So when you're reading the name Nehemiah, it's a prophetic picture of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I won't leave you orphaned. I will send you another comforter. So as you're looking uh, through the book of Nehemiah, every time you see what Nehemiah is doing, it gives an insight. This is what the heart of God is. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is how God responds. This is what God does in the midst of turmoil. So you notice there that uh, this man here is a prophetic picture of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he did. The first thing he did was he inquired about the Jews. He inquired about the people of God. He inquired about the city of Jerusalem. City of Jerusalem is a prophetic picture of the church, a city of people, the place of the center worship for a nation. So notice what's in the heart of Nehemiah. I want to know the condition of God's people. I want to know what's going on in their lives. I want to know how they're doing in the midst of all of this distress and pressure. And the only way you can find how people are doing is if you'll ask questions and listen. And so the first thing we see about the Holy Spirit is he's burdened to know the condition of people and the condition of the church. How about that? He, he inquires. He notice he carries a burden, not a complaint. It's very easy in today's environment to be caught up with complaints. Complaints usually are evidence of unbelief and bitterness. And the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit inquires so he can help people, so he can bring comfort to people. I want you to notice how he responded. He opened up by inquiring about the condition. And notice what he found. He found the condition was broken walls and burnt gates. Broken walls. In other words, the city, which had big walls around it, the walls had been deliberately and intentionally smashed down and the gates, which kept the enemy out, were burnt with fire. In another place, uh, it says that there was burnt stones everywhere. So he's looking at a city that's experienced warfare and is absolutely devastated and broken down. Now, of course, the thing is that there was always an enemy working against the plan of God. So not only did an enemy come and destroy the city and took them captive, but an enemy also arises to prevent the rebuilding of the walls. We find that in Nehemiah, uh, we find that in uh, chapter four, verse one. It came to pass that Samballat heard we were rebuilding the wall. He was furious, indignant, and he mocked the Jews and spoke before his brethren. The army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews think they're gonna do? Will they strengthen themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? And Tobiah the Ammonite that was behind him said, whatever they build, even if a fox jumped on it, it'll break down the stone wall. So notice now, all through the book of Nehemiah, you find that there's an enemy that is mocking and ridiculing the attempts of God's people to rebuild their life. If you try and build a godly marriage, there will be an enemy ridicule you for the divine order in your marriage. When you try to build principles of discipline and order in your family, you'll find there'll be an enemy to ridicule and abuse you for doing that. Notice how they ridicule them. 
and, and kept pointing out how big the problem was. So it's going to be, it's all too big. You can never do it. And we've got to be careful that we, our hearts are tuned to what God says and in faith we can do it and not tuned into the negativity of the world and resonating or becoming an echo chamber for them. It's a problem when people in the church become an echo chamber for the news media and for what the world says. We need to be an echo chamber repeating what God is saying. We need to be hearing what God is saying. So the first thing we see is that he, he caught a glimpse or caught in his heart, he inquired about what God, were, about the condition of the city. Notice the condition says the walls, the walls were broken down and the gates were burnt with fire. Now, for those who, who don't understand the, the prophetic symbolism of them, just think about this for a moment. If you want to discover the meaning of these words, you just look at various passages in the Bible, you can find them, or you look at what they function. The, the, the walls function to provide a boundary or perimeter that keeps the city safe. So all ancient cities had a big wall around them to keep them safe from invaders. The gates control what entered and came in and came out of the city. So if the walls are broken down, the enemy can just walk into the city it says in the book of Proverbs, for example, a man who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city whose walls are broken down. See, and understand then the broken down walls speak of a brokenness in our lives. How do walls, what does it mean the walls are broken down? Walls speak of boundaries. When you lose boundaries and standards in your life, then your life becomes broken and open to the enemy to invade. When people have been abused in some way, the walls or boundaries of their life are broken down and the enemy comes in and they're in immense pain and suffer demonic torment because the enemy can enter him whenever he wants. So broken down walls are very serious condition. And for many people, many people, there are places in their life that are broken down. There's no defense against demonic pressure, uh, pressure and also the news of the world. We have to rebuild the inner life. The Bible says, guard your heart diligently for out of your heart are the boundaries or territories or walls of your life. So notice then, a city that is broken down, the walls are broken down, refers to people whose lives are broken and damaged. They're struggling now with fear, with addictions. They're struggling with disappointment. They're struggling with, uh, with uh, bitterness. They're struggling with hurt from what has happened to them, the things they've walked through and experienced. It says, the gates were burnt with fire. Now, I won't go into it all, but just point this. The gates were the places of decision-making and authority. So the gates referred to spiritual authority. They had lost their spiritual authority. They had lost their capacity to control what was coming in and out of their lives. They had lost capacity to overthrow the enemy. The Bible says in James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. So to have authority, we must bring our lives under authority. So then the broken walls and the burnt gates are a picture for us of a person whose boundaries and standards have been broken down, whether it be through the culture, the education system, the things they watch, the things they've done. The boundaries, the borders, the standards have been dropped. And now this demonic invasion. It speaks of lives that are broken and wounded and struggling with pain. The gates that are burnt with fire speaks of people who have no spiritual authority. In spite of Jesus conquering our enemies and giving us authority, they're living without power, without authority. And I find that everywhere. I find one of the most disturbing things is men lacking understanding of their role and, and functioning in their ability to protect their household from demonic attack. See, the gates burnt with fire. And so what is Nehemiah's response to that? Firstly, it was one of grieving, and then he entered into a season of strong prayer and fasting. If you want to start 2022 strongly, why don't you engage in prayer and fasting and asking God for wisdom and strength? 
The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 10, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's not being strong in your will or strong in any other place, physically strong. It's an inner strength that comes out of the Holy Spirit. It's a strength that comes from time with God. It's a strength that comes from the Word of God. Don't rely on someone else. Read the Word. Study the Word of God. In uh, 1 John chapter 2, it says, Young man, you are strong and the Word of God abides or remains in you. You built your life around what God says. There is a strength developed inside you. If we want to start this year strong, let's purpose in our hearts that we will engage with God afresh, that we will set aside time in this month to pray, to fast, to be in His presence, journaling, writing down what God is saying, so you start your year hearing God, not start your year with the overflow of disappointments from last year. That's how we've started our year individually and corporately many years. I wouldn't ever start a year now without having that season. Amen? And number two then, refocus your life on Christ and his call. Refocus your life on Christ and his call. One of the things that stops people succeeding in life is the loss of focus. Focus causes you to harness all your effort into a certain direction. So for example, if you are hoping to buy a car, then you need to practice or set up a savings program and direct it towards one goal, that goal of getting the vehicle. If you have no plan, no goal, no focus, then your money will go out in coffees and all kinds of rubbish food and you never get to the goal. That's how it happens. Only people who are focused become achievers in life. You must become intentional. Now let's have a look with Nehemiah and see what Nehemiah did. Let's have a look in the story here. Nehemiah's life, his ministry began when he let go comfort and ease. He was the king's cupbearer. And when he got the call of God, God wrote in his heart a vision for his life. And so he didn't just pray and he didn't just fast. God imparted to him a vision and a calling. Just one of the important things about spending time with God is that you let him clarify what you were called to do with your life. See, if we, are, if we believe we're created by God, only God can communicate with you what is the purpose of your life? What is the calling in your life? You can't kind of ask everyone else to tell you what it is. How do they know? They'll just tell you what they think is best for you. And that may take you directly out of the call of God. Notice here in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And then I arose in the night, a few men with me, and I told Noah what God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem. Notice that statement, God put a vision in his heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me except the one I rode. God had put a vision in his heart to rebuild the city. Now notice then he went around three times, he went around for three days looking around the city. We'll come to that in a moment. When I first came here, it was exactly like that. I began to go around the city. I just began to walk the city every Friday night. In those days, it was a really busy place. They didn't have some of these other uh, shopping focus. It was quite just one street, that's it. Walk around it, you've been here, you've seen Hastings. And it was just like that, you know. Well, I come out of Dannyburg, so at least it's a bigger street than Dannyburg, you know. It was the same. <laughs> and I remember walking there, and I would walk around the city center. Sometimes I walk the main streets, and I walk right around a whole block. And I walk around praying and asking God to put in my heart a, a burden for the city. And I would see the broken young people on the streets and see the gang members. When we first came here, the other end of the city was just dark. You wouldn't walk there. It was too dangerous to walk there. There were strong gang presence. It was a very, very difficult place. And, and I just every week would go praying through the city. Sometimes I'd do it in the day. I'd walk around the city. And to my surprise, when I was doing that, at times I'd find graffiti written up on the wall, abusing me by name. Now I told no one what I'm doing. How does that happen? Something written on the wall with my name and it can only be seen by someone walking in the direction I used to walk. 
So, you know, these, this stuff. So anyway, God, but God puts vision in your heart. But you've got to, you've got to, the first thing is, let him put something in your heart. So in that time there, God put a deep burden in my heart for broken lives. I have never lost, even today I started to cry in the worship as I started to think about that thing with Nehemiah. God put in his heart. He put something in his heart. When, when God puts something in your heart, it's not just a good idea, it's a God-given directive for your life. You, that, and if you're, not, if you're not sensitive to that, all the other voices will shout it out. See, see, your Father in heaven has designed you for a purpose, which only he can impart to you. And vision and dreams are put in your heart. God puts burdens in your heart. So if you won't pray and talk to God, how will you know what he called you to do? And if you won't connect with your heart, how will you know what he's put in your heart to do? Many people don't connect with their heart because they're broken. They've never dealt with trauma. And so they've practiced for years disconnecting with the feelings and passion of the heart. And God wants to heal that so that you can come alive with his vision to be a help for others. You all got quiet again. <laughs> but it's true. This is, how, this is how God works. So God put a vision in his heart. And he didn't tell the vision to everyone. Because if you start blabbing about the things God put in your heart too soon, people will shout it down as being ridiculous. They'll shout it down as, oh, that's stupid. Who do you think you are? That's exactly what the enemy said all through the book of Nehemiah. Well, who do they think they are? These feeble, you'll never do that. Fox jumps on it, it'll all fall over. Can, can you understand? They're mocking them. They're ridiculing them. So God puts a dream in your heart. You have to spend time with God to cultivate the dream. Think about the dream. Dream the dream. Dreams or God's vision gives you a focus for your life. It causes you to cease trying to do everything else and become focused on the one thing God wants you to do. One of the reasons people don't really produce anything in their life is because they're too scattered. You need to become focused in 2022 on what God wants you to accomplish in this year. See? So God has a vision. Jesus has a vision and a purpose for it. Everyone, he's got that for everyone. Proverbs 29 verse 18, it says, without a progressive vision, without a revelation that's ongoing, it says, we live carelessly. We miss the opportunities. What opportunities did you miss last year because you weren't tuned into what God wanted you to do? When you're focused on what God wanted you to do, you see the opportunities in front of your face. When you've got no focus, you don't see them. They just a blur like the trees going by. So think about that. You're not an accident. You're, a, you're designed by God with a purpose. You're not in Hastings or Napier or this area by accident. God placed you there. He has some work for you to do. Only you can do it. And we tend to look and we want someone great to come through for us. We want someone else to do something. God wants you to step up and become the person that does something. When I, when I was started out in, in, in school teaching in, in uh, Danny Burke, there were other Christians there, but it was God used me, a young Christian, to bring a move of God among young people. It's because the others were focused on other things and were unavailable. I just said, yes, Lord. Count me in. And once again, same as here, and that's where I learned this from, every night I would walk around in the dark, around there to kind of a corridor thing, and all the young people would walk. They would just walk around there endlessly through the lunch hour. And I would walk around there too, praying for them all at night when I could feel the spiritual atmosphere. You see, prayer is the foundation for the call of God. And hearing God, what he wants you to do, what he's called you to do. It may not all come off in the one day, but you've got to start somewhere. So Jesus puts his purpose or his vision in your heart and he requires you respond. I wonder how many people sitting here, God has got a call on your life, but you're not responded. How tragic not to respond to what God's calling you to do. And of course, the circumstances, no circumstances are perfect for it happening, but the first thing that's needed is to have something in your heart from God and to embrace it and be available for it. He has a purpose for that. He puts it in your heart. He requires you respond. Listen, it is a work for you to do. 
A lot of people love to have experiences with God, but the experience with God is to awaken and empower you for the work he wants you to do. God wants some results. He wants you to accomplish something. Church attendance was never the, the vision that God had for us. Having an impact on lives, sharing the gospel, healing people, delivering people, ministering to people. That's what God has for you. So this year is a year for you to be awakened to God's design in your life, awakened for what he has for you and become filled with faith that you could do this. Amen? Yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> that's, that's this year. So start 2022 strongly by being intentionally committing yourself to the call of God. Intentionally commit to God's call. Build an altar of prayer and intentionally commit, God, I yield to you for what you have in my life. In 2 Timothy 1.19, it says, Jesus has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our works or anything, but according to his own purpose and grace given to us in Christ before time began. Now notice there, you have what God calls or the Bible calls a holy calling. Now, let me just explain what a holy calling is. Nothing to do with your works, nothing to do with how good you are. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It goes back and it said, it's according to a purpose God designed before the world was even created. So before the world was created, God had a big plan, his plan, and then he had people in every generation that would lock into him and into his plan and fulfill their part. So it says, you have a holy calling. Well, that's sort of weird language. You only find that in the Bible. So what does a holy calling mean? The word calling means to be invited by God to participate in something he's provided for you. Like an invitation to a party. What does it mean, a holy calling? We kind of think of holiness as doing away with all sin, doing away with all kind of things that are wrong. It's not really that. It includes that, but it's more than that. It's being it's identifying yourself fully with God's call and giving yourself to it and eliminating the things that hinder it. It's not sitting there trying to fix up every spot and wrinkle and pro problem in your life. Most people think of it that way and they end up under law. This is how they end up. They end up doing nothing for God because they don't think they're good enough. You understand that? They don't think they're holy enough, don't think they're good enough. Listen, that is a religious error. See, what God has is he has called you, he's invited you into relationship, and he says, I want you now to work with me. There's something I have for you to do. If you give yourself to fulfilling my call and eliminate the obstacles, leave it up to me to fix the holiness thing. Holiness is not something you sit down and try and fix every problem in your life. Holiness means I am set apart for God's purpose and that is my priority. Yes. That makes sense? So your calling, your calling is what God, it's, 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 it's something that is set apart for God. The word holy means literally set apart for God's use. So when you live a compromised life where you have just a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but the rest of your life is all full of other things, you're, you're, you're devaluing the call of God on your life. God has a call and apprenticeship and assignment only you can fulfill. It will be people that you will meet. It'll be people you interact with. It'll be people whose lives you'll influence. It's a holy calling. And so we want to make 2022 to become, to start it strongly, we need to embrace that call and say, God, here am I, I'm intentional. I need to be intentional about committing to the call of God. So here's what you could do. You could commit yourself to, pre to prepare and grow. What are you gonna to do? To intentionally invest in your learning about God, about the ways of God. Here's another thing you could do. You could commit to be available every day. Lord, here am I, use me, send me. Send me to someone. Bring someone into my life that I could help. You don't have to have it all together. You know more than you, re you realize. God is just waiting for you. So you say, here I am available and it'll be inconvenient when it happens, but I'm willing to suffer inconvenience because you're, I'm gonna fulfill my call. You'll bring people into my life that are ready for me to share my testimony and help them. Get the idea? 
if, if you're gonna to commit to the call of God, you must be proactive, not passive. A lot, too many Christian, people in New Zealand, they're just passive. Passivity means I'm waiting for something to happen. That religion makes you passive. You just pray and wait for God to do something. No, 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 be proactive. Front up, hi, how are you? How can I help you? It, it's like, it's a very proactive thing. I can't stand it when people are passive and shut down and you gotta go and talk to them and you gotta hold all the conversation. You just feel like, wake up, stop being passive. Get delivered of your devils. Well, it is, it's, 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 it's actually a place of bondage. Now, that Jesus was never passive. He was highly proactive. He put his nose in where he wasn't wanted. He actually engaged in situations in life and people. So don't be passive. Those are some of the ways you do it. And, and uh, there it is. Okay, here's, here's another one you do. Evaluate honestly where your life is at. Evaluate where you're at now. It's interesting here, Nehemiah began his work by having a look at what's the real condition. Now, you know, if you wanna fix something, you wanna find out how deep the rust goes. You know, you know if, there's, if there's bore in the woodwork, you don't wanna just put a coat of paint over the top. The thing's gonna be eaten out behind the scenes. You gotta do something, you gotta check it out. A lot of Christians don't want any to check them out. What is that anger that keeps coming up inside you? Check it out, where does it come from? You're not just there, and it's your problem because you're Irish or something. No, nothing to do with that. It's actually something more deeply rooted. You need to find it out. So notice what it says he did. In Nehemiah chapter two, I came to Jerusalem there three days. Then he went around Jerusalem and verse 13, I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and refuse gate. I viewed the walls of Jerusalem that broken down, the gates burnt with fire. I went onto the fountain gate, the king's pool, but there was so much rubbish. There's no room for even an animal under me to pass. I went by night to the valley and viewed the wall. And I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And, and the officials did not know where I'd gone or what I'd done. I had not told in the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, anyone. I didn't tell anyone. Then he came back and said, you see the distress we're in. Jerusalem is a mess. The gates are burnt with fire. Come and let us build a wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God that's good upon me and the king's words spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. And they put their good hands to the work. How about that? So what he did was he went and had a good look. He had a good look at the condition of the city. Why did he do that? Because he needed to form a plan how to change that condition. Don't look at your life and say it's a mess or there's this or there's that or whatever. Just honestly do an evaluation. How am I doing? Most of the, get this, most of the damage to the city had been caused by a previous generation and their failure. Many times the struggles we have in life are generational in origin. And Nehemiah didn't shy away from that. In fact, he stood and he made a prayer that God would forgive not only the sins of himself, but the sins of the previous generation that opened the way for this to be so bad. In other words, frequently the struggles we have that are causing brokenness in our life and bondage in our life are because of stuff that's generational, that's never been brought to the light. No one wanted to look at it. Or as they used to say, we don't go there. We don't talk about that stuff. And a lot of families, they won't talk about the stuff, but there's stuff. And it's often generational, demonically inspired and built on wounds and hurts that people have never faced. He didn't try and minimize it and say, well, it's not so bad, fellas, we can really do this. He said, look at it, just look at it. It's all broken down, it's a mess. And not only that, he adds this in, because some of you this will mean something. He said, it is a cause of immense shame for us. Now in some cultures, when people feel shame, they hide it. Let's put on a nice suit and dress up and make it look up, but don't go there, don't talk about that. Now he's, saying, he's saying that this area, wherever there's brokenness in your life, the enemy mocks and ridicules you and humiliates you. There's no boldness in the places you're broken. There's no boldness in the places where there's fear or rejection. Those things need to be brought to the light. Amen. Truth brings it to the light. We're living in an age when everyone's covering everything up. Don't cover it up, be a source of truth and bring it out to the light. Call it what it is. Oh, that's just witchcraft. Wah! 
See what I mean? <laughs> so, so he didn't try and hide it. He just brought it all out and said, you can see the condition. This is what it is. The walls are broken down and the gates are burnt with fire and the enemy reproaches us. We are the people of God. We're called to better than that. And so he inspires them, he sows out a vision. They had got so used to living with this mess that they accepted it as the norm. Now we're in a generation now that's so used to living with a mess, we think that's normal. My daughter come home to me and she said, Dad, we're not normal. I said, what? She said, yeah, she said, I've been talking to people at school and it's definitely we're not normal. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? She said, well, in the, in, the, in the class that I'm in, there's almost no children come from a family where there's two people who've been married and stayed together all their lives, where there's family order, where there's structure, where things are planned, where there's love, where there's peace, where things. He said, it's just not present in my classroom. Now, now, you think about this. If you have a generation that's raised like that, all they get used to is devastation. They get used to living with it. It needs Holy Ghost people to say, that's not God's vision for you. There's more for you than that. You need to hear what God wants to do. And notice what he says, I told him of the, the, of the hand of God upon me. He talked about the power of God and he said, and of the king providing all the resources. What he's saying is, I know it's a mess. I know it looks impossible, but God is with us. If God before us, who can be against us? We can do this. And the people, now listen what they did. He said, let us rise up and build. And what did the people say? Let us rise up and build. See, they gave echo to the voice of God. They gave echo to what God was saying in their hour. You need to be resonating and speaking what God is saying in this hour, not what the media is saying, not what the community is saying, not what the government's saying. Resonate what God is saying. Be unashamed. God is with us. Amen. What do you reckon? There's great stuff in that book. You're going to want to go and read that book now. I can see that. So start it strongly. Start 2022 strongly. Evaluate where your life is at, your personal walk with God. In 2 Timothy 2, 4, it says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the things of this life. So are you entangled? Are you entangled somewhere? Take a time to look at your life. Have a look at your personal life. Are there any recurring issues you need to face? Any struggles, any battles, any areas you need to deal with? Any areas of brokenness and defeat? Make a decision. You're gonna face them and do whatever it takes to get the breakthrough. Are there, what about your priorities? What priorities, what's come first? What comes first when you get up in the morning? What is first in your finances? Think about it. What about your relationships? Are the areas of relationship need to be healed, restored, repaired? What about entanglements that are stopping you being focused? You're caught up with this and that, some kind of thing. It's all taking up your time or your money. What about your finances? Don't, don't just say, well, it's just a mess. That's how it is. It's always been that way. It'll never be like that. No! Get yourself out of debt. Get a plan. Change how you spend money. Get some help. For many of these things, we just need to get help because we don't know what to do, so we keep doing the same old dumb stuff again. Grabbing stuff off the instant buy as you come out the checkout, you know. Cranking the thing up so the debts go up and up and up. What are you gonna have to do? So just be honest in your evaluation. What areas do you need to change this year? What do you wanna grow in? What do you, what do you need to do? What do you need to do in your prayer life? What about your attitudes? Well, what are the things that God is speaking to you? Get time alone with Him and do something about it. So if you're gonna start strongly this year, start by doing an evaluation of how you're going. Where am I at now? Where will I be at the end of the year? How about that? And there's the last one here. Restructure your life for change. Just restructure for change. You gotta make some changes. Keep doing the same things, you get the same results. Nehemiah 4, 4 verse 6, we built the wall, the entire wall was joined together for the people had a mind to work. Now that's an important statement. The people had an attitude, we wanna work on this. The hardest thing to do is people get people to work. They wanna work. Work is how you succeed. <laughs> work was given to God. One of the first things God gave Adam was gave him a work to do. It's called an assignment and it's qualifying you for rewards in the eternity. Think about it. So you need to get to work. 
so they had a mind to work. And it says in verse seven, Nehemiah 4, 7, when all the other people there with the funny names heard that the building was, walls were being restored and the gaps being closed, they became angry. So if you make a decision this year, you're gonna build your life, you're gonna to start to work on fulfilling the call of God, the enemy will become angry with you. You will experience extra pressure on your life. Don't fold. Don't fold. You can't believe how many times people express, experience pressure. So you're gonna to start to open your home. We'll open our home and we'll have some visitors come in and, and we're gonna have a group there and we're gonna pray. Listen, you, about, about most of the people you invite at the beginning won't come. Why? Because the day that they were supposed to come, then suddenly, oh, the kid got sick, this happened, this happened. There's a warfare goes on. Come on, wake up. You don't build anything without a warfare. You don't build anything without strong prayer and perseverance and understand that sometimes things happen. You can't believe all the things that happen the day you want to go to church. All the things that happen the day you want to start something for God. There's always things happen. The enemy seeks to hinder and frustrate the work in a whole range of different ways. If you read the book of Maya, you'll find out all those ways. There's constant resistance. It said they conspire to come and attack and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God and set a watch. Now notice here what's happened, that they've made the decision, they're gonna build, he's got everyone coordinated together, they're focused on the vision. What happens next is there's a resistance from the spirit realm. There is always resistance to you fulfilling the call of God and that comes through people and circumstances. You've gotta get strength in you to overcome that. It said they conspired to stop the work and create confusion. You're experiencing confusion. There's something going on that didn't come from God. You've got to get into prayer and find out what to do. And said he had a strategy. He had a strategy. And his strategy was he brought all the people together to pray. He brought them to pray and then he set them to set a watch so they could be alert to any further pressures coming against them. And there were all kinds of pressures came. They came corporately, they came personally, they came against the leaders, they came among the people. Always the work of God will experience pressure. You've got to understand that is, that's the reality of the conflict of kingdoms being seen in the earth. It just shows up as ordinary people with bad attitudes criticizing, putting you down. You stand up and say, well, I'm gonna do this. A lot of the time, people say, well, who do you think you are? You won't do that. You just kind of carry on like last year. See, the moment you make decisions to build something different, you have initiated a warfare against hidden spirits occupying the current situation. You've got to be in God. You've got to find strength. That's why I said, you want a strong start in 2022, set your sights to get near to God and find wisdom and strength, strategies and plans of how to do it. So he did that. So you need to make some changes. So restructure your life. Start to get alone with God and write down, this is what I believe God is speaking to me for this year. Write it down. Write it down or you will forget it tomorrow when that turmoil comes. Write it down. On this date, God spoke to me about this. Lay out some steps that will get you there. Because if you don't put some steps out, nothing is going to happen. What are you gonna do in your personal life? What about those issues you need to face? What about those things you've been resisting dealing with because they're too painful? They're just sabotaging you. That's the walls broken down. That's where the enemy comes in and manipulates you and steals your confidence, your boldness and your joy and your peace. Get it solved and rebuild the wall in that part of your life. What about in your marriage? Are there things that need to be done in your marriage? What about in your family? Never too late to win their hearts back to the Lord. Write it down, write it down, write it down. Paul wrote it like this, he said, this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, reaching forth to the things that are before, I press on towards the mark for the prize of God's calling. Think about that. What do you need to leave behind as you come through this year? Failures, disappointments, betrayals, things that have happened, setbacks, what do you need to let go? You can't just ignore them, process them until they're gone. Forgive people, deal with the pain. Get help if you need help, but don't just leave it unchanged. This is a time to enter 2022 strongly, to believe for a fresh move of God and to say, God, here am I, I'm available for you to use me. Listen, if you're watching online right now, you may not know Jesus Christ. 
that would be the first step for entering this year strongly, would be to make a decision to connect your life with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it far more abundantly. The Bible says to everyone who received him, he gave power to become a child of God, to be joined to God, legally connected to God and empowered them with vision and purpose and an eternal life. The thing that's hindering you is your fear. The thing that's hindering you is sin hidden in your life. You don't have to live there with that brokenness. You could come to the source of life. Jesus died on the cross as your representative to deal with the pain of sin, the penalty of sin, the power of sin, so you could be forgiven and free. Make that decision right now. I'm not staying in 2022 the way I was. I'm entering this year with Christ at the core of my life. Make that decision right now to receive Him. I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ in a moment. Perhaps there's others here or others watching online. And for you, you realize I need to build a fresh altar with God. I need to rebuild my prayer time. I need to freshly engage God. Make that decision now. Perhaps for some of you, your priorities are out. Make the decision, I'm gonna work on those things. Seek God and set down where I'm going, what I'm doing this year. Perhaps for some of you, you just got too busy or you got too tired. See, don't do that. Say, God, here am I. I don't mind how you do it, but I'm available for you to work through me to represent you and carry your love and life to people who need you. I'm wanting the power of the Holy Spirit in my life in a whole new way this year. I will set my heart to be available for you. Is that you? Why don't we just start, we just pray a prayer together. If you're watching online, just pray this prayer. If you're sitting here right now, let's just close our eyes. I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace in the middle of the storm to give you a hope for this year. Just follow me in this prayer. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I turn away from sin and failure. And I turn to you today. I believe you love me. You sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your Spirit into my heart. And I give my life to you today. Lord, today I thank you. I have become connected to you, part of your family. And I have a call of God on my life. Lord, teach me this year to discover and fulfill that call. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap, shall we? If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please let someone know. They want to hear about that decision. They want to be able to help you and encourage you in your walk with God. Come on, let's all stand together and flow to a song as we finish.